This is a privilege. It's quite humbling to be able to share the word of God today with uh, my friends and family here. I hope you can see and feel uh, what's happening here at EPAG. There's this move and shift of, of hap- uh, moving towards community that's just beautiful um, and exciting. So thank you for having me here. Yes, my name is Bill Tibbetts. I was introduced as the Dean uh, uh, of College of Business and Technology at NCU. But here, I'm mostly known as the husband of Pastor Natalie Tibbetts and the father of Ada and Graham Tibbetts. And I am grateful to be known in those two titles because they are exceptionally amazing uh, titles to have because they're, they're just beautiful people. Um, I would like to point out that Pastor Chris did not say this in his message, um, but I was not the first person he asked to preach this morning. In fact, he asked Pastor Matt, he asked Pastor Nick, he asked Pastor Walter, he asked Pastor Natalie, he asked Pastor Cynthia, and they all said no because they had other responsibilities. And then he asked uh, Connie Icavelli, uh, and she was like, dude, I'm, I, I left for wherever, she, I left for West Coast. Uh, if you don't know Connie, Connie is a, a beloved sister in Christ, and they just uh, moved away. Um, and then he actually uh, was at Caribou the other day and asked a complete stranger in line um, if they would be willing to preach, and they said, no, I, I don't know you. Um, and then he asked his youngest daughter, hey, would you preach for me on Sunday? She actually said yes, um, but then she got COVID. So um, that was, I, I'm, I'm, I'm number nine. I was number nine on the list, and I'm okay with that. Now, what's, what's good about this is that Pastor Chris will be back next Sunday. So any heresy that happens today in the next few minutes, he will be able to correct. Um, I'm assuming more will happen this service because you guys are the test group. Second service, is, and you know what I'm talking about, how the second sermon always goes better than the first sermon. Uh, no, thank you for being here. It's, it's incredibly humbling to be here. Um, and I'm excited to share with you what the Lord has been doing on my heart and my mind. For those online, thank you for being with us this morning. We're grateful that you are joining us. Um, Pastor Chris has had two series that he's in. One is Be Kind, and the other is Grace and Truth. And from the, I don't know how to say this any more sincerely, but they have been the absolute best teachings on the subject matter that I have ever heard. They have been phenomenal. They have been phenomenal. And subsequently, uh, we just started podcasting here at EPEG. So not just started, we just start podcasting the services, I should say. So um, if you are not familiar with podcasting, just find someone who's under 30, and they will tell you exactly how to do it. My daughter just hooked up my phone to my vehicle. Who knew that could happen? It's brilliant. And now I'm just playing my music and my podcast, listening to Pastor Chris again. Some of you are like, I, I see the, the death in your eyes. It's okay. Just find someone under 30. They will help you. Um, we will be continuing the conversation today in Luke 15. Now, as an educator, what I do is you provide your students the required material. Like, this is what you have to do. And if you're interested in the subject matter, here's the bonus material. Here's the video, the extra article that you can read if you want to learn about economy of scale and 
Walmart. Okay? No, right? Uh, what you, I literally just saw heads go like this. Right? Okay. If you want to frame our time today, this is the bonus material, okay? But unlike my students, you're trapped here and you have to take it. Okay, so here we go. This is the bonus material uh, from Luke 15. Let me pray for us and we'll get going. Father God, we love you. We invite you, Lord, to speak to our hearts and speak to our minds as we study your word to bring honor and glory to you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but there are times on Sundays. Now, I'm a little extra excited today because I have a sense of responsibility, right? But there are times on Sundays when I am dragging in here, right? Or you come and you sit down and you do worship and you're thinking about what happened last week. You're thinking about what has to happen this afternoon. You forgot your ADD medicine, everything. You see every squirrel that is running around the room. I want to encourage you this morning with this note. The Lord could have you anywhere in the world at this very second, but he has orchestrated the things in your life to bring you here right now. Think about that. The creator of the universe could have us anywhere, but he has us here right now. So I want to encourage you, let's be open. Let's be open to what the Lord may say to you this morning, and let's be prepared to respond to it. I will be sharing from Luke 15, and then from there, I'm going to share just a personal testimony of what God has done in my life and how that ties into Luke 15 and hopes that um, it blesses you today. And I believe it will. You know what's so cool is when you do get opportunities like this or whatever it is, you're talking to the person in the cubicle next to you, do you know all you have to do is, is live and speak the truth of God and just walk away? You don't have to walk into the anxiety of it whatsoever because you just got to give room for the Holy Spirit to move. So you can measure your success if you're just living and speaking the truth of God. That's it. Speak it and walk away. And that's all I'm going to do this morning with you is I'm going to speak the truth and walk away and allow the Holy Spirit to move. All right. So Pastor Chris has been discussing uh, the passage in Luke 15. And passage in Luke 15 is where we see three stories. We, th- we see the story of the lost sheep. We see the story of the lost coin, and then we see the story of the prodigal son. What I would like to do is revisit the setup to what's happening when Jesus shares these three stories. So the tax collectors and the sinners, it says in Scripture, had gathered around Jesus. And in the prior chapter, in chapter 14, Jesus had been dropping some truth bombs Right? He had been talking about discipleship. He had been talking about obedience. He had been talking about commitment. So here Jesus is. He's talking, and he has around him a group of sinners. And over here in the corner, we have what the Scripture says is the Pharisees and the scribes. And they're observing all of this. The Pharisees and the scribes, I like framing it this way. They were the representatives of what we say is the truth. They were representatives of the scripture, the holy of holies, the judges of righteousness. Righteousness, what's right and what's wrong. They were were the ones that kind of held on to the truth. They saw what was happening. 
And they're like, something's not right here. And they spoke out. This Jesus who speaks truth is receiving unholy people, right? What are they saying in that moment? Why were they so concerned? This is why they were concerned. They were saying, you're speaking truth, okay, but you're hanging around with unholy people. These two things cannot mix. They cannot come together. Because when you do, you're, you're tainting it. You're mixing it up. You're making it unholy, unclean. So in other words, you can't speak about and command others to live by a holy, sacred truth and be with unholy sinners. Then the scripture says in Luke 15, 3, that Jesus shared a parable. And here's one really quick note. In that text, in any uh, translation, when it says Jesus shared a parable, it's in singular form. Jesus shared a parable. But when we read, we see three stories. And we often refer to those stories as, well, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the prodigal son. Actually, all three of those stories is one parable. What does that mean? That means that Jesus wants to tell us something by telling us these three stories. And I think each one represents something uh, different. And we're going to be talking about that today. So the parable of the lost sheep, if you want to take, now I'm a, I'm a teacher, so I like, I like it when students take notes. So I, I, I'm, I'm asking you, not a student today, but for all the teachers in the room, you know what I'm talking about. So I want you to pull out your phones, pull out your notebooks. Whatever. Thank you, Cornell's got his laptop out. All right, he's recording my message. I do not copyright anything I'm about to say, Cornell. All right, so take out your notes because I, you I want you to write this down, okay? We'll remember it a little bit more if we write it down. But I think the story of the lost sheep is about empathy. Write this down. Lost sheep equals empathy. Lost sheep equals empathy. The story of the lost coin equals wisdom. And we're going to be talking about that. Lost sheep is about empathy. The lost coin is about wisdom. And then the prodigal son story represents both empathy and wisdom. And I think that Jesus orchestrated it this way to teach us. Now, remember this. Let's talk about the setup again. Pharisees over here judging Jesus, hanging around sinners, speaking truth. And they're like, hey, you can't put these two things together. They're unholy. And instead of him scolding them at this moment, what does he talk about? He talks about empathy and wisdom. I think that's powerful. So let's dive into this. Pastor Walter, can you go ahead and bring up Luke 15? We're going to read verses 3 through 7. 3 through 7. Here we go. It says, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. 
I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Think about what, think about what we just read. And again, in that scenario, because Jesus is telling the, the, the holders of the truth of the scripture, he's saying, hey, this truth is for the lost. It's for the lost. Now, let's talk about the shepherd. I, we, most of us, if not all of us, have heard this story. We've heard it many, many times. Some of us have studied it and studied it quite a bit. But I want to talk about the behavior of the shepherd. Now, the shepherd had to leave his flock, right? The shepherd left his flock, his responsibility to trek, to go find that one sheep. Now, we're not, if we think about where the story is being told and the land, it probably wasn't some giant open farm field with fences. It was probably a field, but that had rocky terrain, that there was, there was a lot of effort that had to be done to go find that one sheep. And when the shepherd found that one sheep, what did he do? Let's talk about what he did not do. <laughs> what he didn't do was he did not kick that sheep in the tail, right? What he didn't do is he didn't scold that shepherd, what he didn't do was take that shepherd hook and stick it around that, that sheep and drag it back. Now, come on. Did he, was he justified if he did that? Yes, of course he was. Come on. Who here has ever been around a kid before? Right? <laughs> Tell me, listen, if you've been around a kid for five minutes, you know you want to kick them in the tail sometime. <laughs> You want to scold them and put the shepherd hook around their neck and drag them to bed, right? I personally, oh, I personally, just this past week, had a 10-hour road trip with a child who chose not to take Dramamine but sit in the third row of my SUV and fill their tummies up with the worst possible food in the world instead of the healthy food that we packed and then proceeded to vomit, projectile vomit everywhere midstream where I then had to pull over on a very busy highway with a very narrow emergency lane as I am heaving myself, <laughs> cleaning my child up in a car. At that moment, I really did not want to pick him up and put him over my shoulders and carry him back to the promised land. I wanted to strangle him. It was rough. The shepherd had every right to kick that sheep in the tail, but he didn't. And it's quite moving what he did. He did one of the most beautiful things that we could do. When he found, let me get my names, because no creature, excuse me, because no creature strays more easily than a sheep, it's fair to assume that this sheep has done this before. So subsequently, we can also assume that any other shepherd in this moment would have been simultaneously, one, used to this, 
and two, equally frustrated. But instead of walking in what I would say is that justified behavior that would have been surely the standards of any other shepherd at that time, he displayed one of the most beautiful and unworthy behavior ever. He showed profound empathy. And not only did he graciously usher that sheep back to the flock, which would have been love, which would have been responsibility, he put that sheep on the highest place of honor, which was on his shoulders, and then tracked back over those rocks in that field, back to the flock, graciously put that sheep. And not only was he, he wasn't done there, he celebrated. He celebrated. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Remember, let's go back to the scenario. Jesus is talking to the sinners. He's talking to the tax collectors. And he's looking at the Pharisees saying, God forgives us, not when we are just the holders of the truth, but when we are away from the truth. The Lord wants to forgive us in kindness. God is not just kind to us once we accept him. God is kind to us when we are away from the flock. Hold on to that. And he showed great empathy is what I want us to know about or glean from that. All right, second story, quickly. The lost coin, wisdom. Let's go to verse 8. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one of them. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors. This is the same behavior as the shepherd, right? She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. It's almost the same story, same, same language that he's sharing. Where the story of the lost sheep is focused on the response of the shepherd, this, this story focuses more on the journey. I'll say it again. The shepherd spends a little bit more time focusing on how the shepherd, uh, the shepherd responds. This story actually focuses a little bit more on the journey that this woman took. The woman in the story first brought light, then swept and cleaned the house, all along searching for the coin carefully and with deliberate intent. The specificity of this language has always struck me. Because it's one of those, we, come on, we've all read scripture and you're like, read, read, oh, got my chapter done today, I'm good, move on, right? But if God's word doesn't return void, right, and we know that, and we know that there's a reason for this order, then I, let's dig a little bit deeper. So the specificity of this language has always struck me. One, you only have, uh, one, you only have to light a lamp if it was dark out, which tells me then in the story it was dark Two, she would have uh, lit a lamp and swept the floors possibly hundreds of times at this point in her life. I'll say it again. You only have to light a lamp if it's dark out. So that tells me in this story it was dark, 
okay? Or he was setting it up to be dark. And two, she would have done these activities hundreds of times, probably at this point in her life. So where does the wisdom exist in this story? In our world, knowledge understands the light has turned red. Wisdom is applying the brakes. Knowledge sees the quicksand. Wisdom says, walk around it. Knowledge memorizes the Ten Commandments, but wisdom says, obey them. In her case, knowledge is how to light a lamp in the dark and sweep probably a dirt floor or a dirt floor that has had things compressed on top of it to make make a cleaner floor. Wisdom is not waiting until morning to do it because the coin was important to find. Wisdom is the fitting application of knowledge. So as I read these two stories, I I see two, two profound things. I see empathy and I see wisdom. The story of the prodigal son reflects both in, 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 this, in the narrative. I'm going to go back to it a third time. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the scribes, and he is saying, we need to have empathy and wisdom as we apply the truth and make it available for all. Empathy and wisdom is not just for those who got it all together. Empathy and wisdom are for the lost, those furthest away from the pack. Let me say this too. We need to have both empathy and wisdom. Let me tell you what happens when you have just one. I'm watching this young, amazing generation show profound empathy to the world. They're showing profound empathy um, to those that are way outside the bubble of Christianity, those who are struggling with their gender identity, with same-sex attraction, with uh, those who believe in uh, uh, pro-choice. They're showing great empathy. But the challenge is they're showing great empathy apart from the gospel. And what that means is when you show empathy apart from the gospel or wisdom, you then become an ally and you're supporting the narrative. Let's go to the other side. I'm seeing my generation and older leading with profound knowledge and wisdom. Profound. But apart from empathy, we're creating a culture that no one wants to be a part of. We have to have both empathy and wisdom together. Either one without is false. It's false. Empathy without wisdom is false empathy. Wisdom without empathy is false wisdom. We need both empathy and wisdom, is what this story is telling us. All right, so I'm going to go back my last time, I promise. So the Pharisees and scribes spoke against Jesus' truth because he hung with tax collectors and sinners. In fact, they say, he receives sinners. Now, in translation, receive can mean to receive, to welcome, or even to embrace. Embrace sinners. And this, uh, yeah, sometimes it's translated to being embraced. Now, let me say this. Have you ever thought that maybe you would be compromising your faith if you hung out with sinners? There's something that you would feel like you'd be compromising if you hung out with sinners. Now, 
I think, for me at least, let me share my narrative. My narrative is like, no, of course. I love the marketplace. It's where I came from. Uh, My my extended family doesn't know the Lord. Yes, I want to hang out with sinners. Yes, right? That's what we're supposed to do. What if you hung out with someone who was transgender or same gender attraction? What if they were a strong advocate for abortion rights? Now all of a sudden inside of me be like, ooh, I don't know. That would feel like I'd be compromising my faith a little bit if I took them out and hung out with them. I don't want people to think that I'm supporting their messages or, or, or oh, no, 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 no. Okay? What about someone who has hurt you? What if it was someone who was meant to protect you, like a family member, and yet they betrayed you emotionally, physically, or spiritually? Jesus was doing just that. He was hanging out with the worst of them. He was hanging out with them. And not only was he hanging out with them, he was loving on them. He embraced them. And there's something that's in our Christian culture that's keeping us a little bit more separate from showing empathy and wisdom to those who are furthest from the crowd of sheep, from the flock. The Pharisees and scribes taught and kept themselves apart from these folks, the tax collectors and sinners. Why? Because it would have dirtied the truth. These individuals were unclean. Christ wanted to teach them a completely different way of living. With the last few minutes, what I'd like to share with you is just a personal testimony. And a testimony, it's a testimony of God, God's faithfulness to us. But what happens when you are faithful with the Lord and how that takes you to a place of profound empathy and profound wisdom. I'm the youngest of five children. Uh, My next sibling is 12 years older than me, and that's because there was a sibling in between us that passed away. So it's essentially myself and three other siblings. And because there's such a gap, I pretty much grew up as, as an only child. Now, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I know it's a surprise with all the maturity that you see in me in, in Christ. You're like, oh, this kid was clearly born in the pews of a great church. No, I was not. Uh, uh, I grew up in Cincinnati. That's all you have to know. Uh, um, no, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I'm going to use coded language right now um, to respect those that are in this story, and I want to be careful of any triggers that may exist in any of us. And I was thinking about this last night. I've actually never have shared this publicly, ever. My father betrayed me in what some would consider the worst ways a father or parent could betray a child. My earliest memories are of this. This led to little Billy Tibbetts, who, if you need to know who I was, I was Graham. Totally, if you know Graham, reserved, quiet, back against the wall, observing the world. But this led, if you can imagine Graham, my son, 10 years old, 
it led to a very, at a very, very, very early age, my entire self being filled with profound resentment, anger, and hatred. In fact, I remember very distinctly finding a photo album and cutting his picture out of pictures as a kid. As I grew, I saw my behavior shift from physically hiding from him to being able to be in his presence, but my shield to defend myself was self-reliance. I am not going to expose or depend my heart or depend on you in any way so you can no longer hurt me. Self-reliance, distanced myself, judged. The amount of times, there's no words to describe that I would sit at the dinner table and look at him as a child and have just pure rage and anger consume me, consume me. I separated myself from him in every way possible to protect myself. Years into adulthood, I unfortunately discovered that the same thing had happened to two of my siblings. I accepted Christ at the age of 16 after being invited to a youth group, go youth groups, come on, and I had a radical transformation and commitment to Christ. In fact, it will be 30 years this November 22nd that I chose a life for Christ. Isn't that awesome? Beautiful. This also began the journey of healing. There were deep, deep wounds, scars. The edges of the wounds were painful. And this started my journey of healing, what it meant to commit this to Christ. Again, where the Pharisees taught isolation, Jesus teaches togetherness. Committed to not getting emotional. My mom passed away four weeks today. And it's still very, very raw. Though um, they loved one another, there was a lot of ill treatment between one another, between my father and my mother. And by God's mercy, I was able to lead my mom to the Lord years ago. And she genuinely picked up a relationship with the Lord. And so I'm assured of her salvation in heaven. She has woken up and has already seen everyone else. Right? She's good. She's good. The thing that has surprised me, though, is as I'm grieving these, grieving my mom and having these deep, deep feelings of sadness, though, I, though I'm also rejoicing, the thing that has surprised me that has been bigger than that has been the tsunami of empathy that I have felt for my dad. The best way of describing it for me is as if you were sitting on a beach alone and this huge tidal wave is headed towards you and it hits you 
and you can't do anything to escape it. For me, that tidal wave is empathy for my dad. Empathy for the one who had created deep scars and pain. Empathy for the one who betrayed me, who should never have. I have cried more for my dad than for my mom, the loss of my mom. We've talked virtually every other day, and I listen, and I engage him, and it's genuine. When we went and we visited, when my mom passed away, we did the funeral and everything, he was home alone. Myself, my wife, and my kids, we sat in the kitchen with him, and we would listen for four hours as he talked. When he wanted to work in the backyard, we all put on our work clothes, and we went and worked in the backyard. Whatever it was, we tried to stay present and love him. And let me say this. It came from that place where there was no other option but to show profound love and empathy. Empathy is being present with my dad. Empathy is crying with him. My dad has told me that he has loved me five times my life. Three of them happened this past week. Amen, right? <laughs> Empathy is when my dad's crying. My dad, think about it. I mean, just doesn't touch, doesn't hug that. Empathy is when my dad's crying and me holding his face, saying, I know you loved her. Empathy is not kicking him in the butt like the shepherd could have with the sheep or justifying behavior than what I showed. Empathy is crying with him. Empathy is hurting because he's hurting. And wisdom, wisdom is displaying the love of God before I speak. Wisdom is being ready at a moment's notice to invite him to a relationship with Christ. The tension inside between grace and truth, what Pastor Chris was talking about, and empathy and wisdom is real. It's hard. It's very hard. But I think the greatest sign of maturity in Christ is when you can exist and have those two things coexist inside of you. Empathy and wisdom. Empathy and wisdom. Why does this matter? Because in Matthew 22, God said, simple people, Bill, all you got to do is love him, love God, and love others. Jesus, with the tax collectors and sinners and the Pharisees. Hey, guys, hey, Pharisees, you just got to love according to his word. Show empathy and wisdom. They've got to come together. Do you know, I'm wrapping up here, do you know why Pastor Chris is walking us through this series of Be Kind and Grace and Truth? Because we will not reach this world or our communities unless we get this. I'm going to say this again. We will not reach this world or this community until we can get and reconcile the tension between empathy and wisdom in ourselves. And that's why Pastor Chris has been walking us through this series. 
We have got to engage in the world around us, and not just the people who are holding on to the truth, but the sinners of the world too. And like Jesus, he said he welcomed them, he received them, he embraced them. Empathy and wisdom. How do we get there? We can go ahead and start. We're going to close here. How do we get there? How do we move to this place of maturity? How did I go from just that deep seed of anger and hatred to nothing but empathy, love, and wisdom for my Father? God's mercy has nothing to do with you. It's God's mercy. Mercy. But can I say this? Mercy just seems extra powerful when we show up and are faithful as well. For me, it's about daily, it was daily getting up and saying, I have a vision, Lord, of where you want me to be according to your word. And I'm over here with my hatred right now. So I see where I'm going and I'm just gonna submit these feelings to you one day at a time. If you choose to heal me of this in the snap of a finger, I'll take it. If not, in my case, it's been 30 years, I'll walk it. Daily, he says in Luke 9, 23, Jesus told his disciples to deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow him. Jesus called those who wish to be his disciples to discipline themselves in their everyday life by living in a way that is honoring to him and others. As we close, I'm gonna pray us out. We're gonna head out. My time's done. It's 10.09. If you gotta leave, I just, amen. Go leave and have an amazing day. And I hope you can allow this truth to sit just a little bit. Remember, I think going to church is not um, is not the totality of our Christianity. Getting your message, all that, all this should do is spoke or, or start like a tiny little flame. You have like an ember. You need to take that ember and fan it into a flame of fire by taking what you hear on Sunday mornings and, and revisit it, okay? So if you've got to leave today, I bless you anymore. If you want to respond, we'll have our prayer team come up and please feel free to come up and, and, and say, hey, I need prayer or whatever you need to do at your own seat. Let me say this. In scripture, it says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. It does not say confess your sins to one another so that you may be forgiven. You confess your sins to Christ to be forgiven. So what does this mean when we confess it to our brother or sister and we are healed. It's because in that moment, you're taking that thing that you've kept in the closet in the dark shadows and you're exposing it to light. And in that very precise second, the Lord starts the healing process. Some of you, I think, are called this morning to confess your sins because you're holding on to something. A lack of discipline, struggling in an area, you're having thoughts that feel out of control. You feel numb. Whatever it is, find someone this morning, today, this week, and say, this is where I'm at, and I promise you with my entire heart, 
Jesus will start the healing process as you open that door and expose the light into the places that you've kept in the shadows. Sound good? Let me pray for us. Father, we love you, we love you, we love you. We raise our hands, Lord, and we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy on our lives. Help us to show up, Lord, through your grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Please help us to show up daily to pick up our cross and choose you, to submit to you the things that are keeping us captured to the ways that are just not of you. Lord, we don't want to be in the middle. You tell us it's better to be hot or cold. Lord, we want to be on fire for you. Thank you for your mercy, but Lord, we ask for your grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to help us, Lord, to be on fire daily as we submit to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Be blessed. Have an amazing, amazing day.